Hey, home. Get down. Right on. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. During the holiday season, sometimes we get in a rut and we all can use a little motivation. And that's going to come next here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Yo, since the diabolical one couldn't be with us tonight, that's biz. He was here earlier and we filmed him. And I want you to bust this special clip. The, 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 the way that I met, I was a tour of the conscience. You had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got on stage and performed with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in the air, come to the picture booth so I could ask this a question to see if they're 100 proof. I asked her, her name, she said, blah, blah, blah. She had nine, ten pants and a very big bra. I took a couple of flicks and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said, I was very amused. I started throwing bass, she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Because when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She says, no, I don't. I only have a friend. I ain't going for that. Sing along. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. And you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you got what I need. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, on the JB's Low Tech Podcast here in my man cave in the Green Circle Studios. And as I promised, we would have... Somebody to talk about motivation and motivation and leadership, you know, in the holiday season and all time parts of life, we can all use some motivation. And that person is Walter Bond, former gopher basketball player, former NBA player. Now he's a motivational speaker. And I just want to welcome Walter to the show. Walter, how you doing? I'm great, JB. How are you doing, my man? <laughs> you know, I'm hanging, like this stated before, I'm just trying to hang in there day to day. You know, that's that's my goal. So I just try to live and create and uh, be positive. It's great to hear, man. Well, you're doing well. You're doing well. <laughs> well, not as well as you. I see on your postings on Facebook and whatnot, you're traveling the world, you're motivating people, and... um that looks all wonderful. Well, yes, it, it's a blessing. I love what I do. And you're right, man. A lot of people need motivation, inspiration. I know I do, you know. Right. I mean, I give out to a lot of people, and, you know, I need to be fed. I need someone to pump me up. So, you know, life can be challenging. You know, we all deal with adversity. We all deal with some kind of drama. 
whether it's through our jobs, whether it's through our kids, our relationships, life. You know, COVID was stressful. I mean, so, you know, we, we're into this whole mental health conversation. Right. And when you and I grew right. up, mental health was about being crazy, yes. right? Like, that guy was nuts, right? That guy's off his rocker. And unfortunately, we underestimated, I just didn't understand what mental health was all about. You know, being stressed out, that's a mental health issue. Anxiety, yeah. that's a mental health issue. Anything that affects how your brain operates and it gets you into an unhealthy place, um, you know, is a mental health challenge. And I'm glad that we're talking about it now. And I'm glad that mental health has, has really spanned beyond someone being unstable, if you will. And, and I think that um, if we're really honest, we all have dealt with mental health at some point in our lives, even if it was just temporary. Correct. Well, I'd like to start all my guests off by giving their origin story. So if you want to take it back to your time in Chi-Town and uh, – to the point where we actually probably met, uh, go for it. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Chicago on the south side and um, had a great childhood. You know, you, you, you hear some of these stories about inner city kids, per se. And so when I got to Minnesota, people met me and they saw I was intelligent and articulate. Right. They're like, what suburb are you from? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean suburb? Well, what suburb are you from? Like, no, baby, I'm from the south side of Chicago. So my parents were teachers. Uh, my dad was a high school principal. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. And, um, you know, that's how I grew up. You know, when the street lights came on, you better have your butt in the house. You better be respectful. You better do your homework. And, and, and 10 o'clock is bedtime, right? So that's the kind of house I grew up in. And then I was lucky enough to uh, become really good in baseball and basketball. And as you know, I flirted with baseball even in college, you know, I was named after my uncle, who was a major league baseball player, played for the Twins, Walt Bond. So my first love was baseball, and I chose Minnesota because I wanted to be Dave Winfield, right? Okay. I wanted to be good okay. in basketball and baseball, and that's just a tough combination. And eventually I got incredibly focused on basketball. I helped us get to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and then on to a pro career. So typical childhood. Um, you know, just grew up, had dreams of playing sports. I uh, didn't know what sport. I was a pretty good football player, too. But eventually, um, basketball became my focus, and the rest has been history. Well, when you came to the U, uh, you were brought here by the uh, great Clem Haskins, and um, the man who taught me how to shoot a hook shot one day after a gopher basketball game. Believe it or not, he. I was uh, waiting. You know, we used to come pick up the laundry after the game, and <laughs> and I was uh, out scooting around on the court, and he was walking to leave, and he said, "Come here, young man." <laughs> and I went over, and he uh, he said, "Give me the ball," and I gave him the ball. He said, "Now I'm going to show you the hardest shot in the world to defend." And he said, "Come here, yep. stand next to me," and he bodied me and whatnot, and he threw up the hook and it went in of course and he did it three four times said now you do it i'm always grateful to coach for showing me how to put up a hook shot but i'm, I'm quite yeah, sure i was gonna say i'm quite yeah. sure you got a lot more to be thankful for than for him than just a hook shot oh man you know jb a lot of people don't know this but just this past memorial day um i went down to kentucky and i spent a whole day on the farm with Coach Haskins. Okay. And the, re the, re the reason I went, JB, 
was to say thank you. I mean, I just wanted to go look him in his eye and tell him thank you. You know, a lot of times fans don't understand how intimate these relationships get. I mean, when he recruited me, my mom's best friend in college was Mrs. Haskins' first cousin, right? Clement Haskins visited at USC where my sister played ball and my sister was her host on her recruiting trip. So when Coach Haskins came to recruit me, there was already a connection, but it got deeper. So not only did he help me become an NBA ball player, when I left the university, he was like, man, you should be a motivational speaker. And so here I am, 52 years old, an award-winning Hall of Fame motivational speaker, best-selling author. And so I just went down to Camelsville, Kentucky, and just spent the day with him. And just to tell him thank you. It was emotional. Um, I couldn't even drive. My wife had to drive because I was a wreck. And just very thankful um, that he was in my life as a coach to help me really develop. You know, I had great parents. Uh, but Coach Haskins was a driver. Um, I'm a little laid back, you know, probably a little lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Coach Haskins was able to push me and drive me uh, to get the best out of me. And I'm forever grateful to him uh, to be that inspiration and motivation. There are some days in college I hated that man's good because <laughs> he was so hard on me. And I just didn't understand what was going on. But he saw potential, and he got it out of me. You know, and, and, and that's what coaches are supposed to do. You know, a coach's job is to take this raw material, that freshman with potential, and make sure they get there. You know, to make sure each and every freshman that steps on campus becomes the best version of themselves on the court and off the court. And I credit Coach Haskins for that. I credit him for that. I don't know what after, happened after I left, but that man used to chase us to class. Um <laughs> You know, he had us networking at booster events, and he would always say, hey, man, somebody here is going to give you a job. And he, he, he was concerned about our four years at the university. But honestly, he was most concerned about our life after college to make sure that we, able, we were able to maximize the opportunity. So I'm forever grateful to Coach. Uh, Mrs. Haskins played a big role, and um, it was a great family environment. And um, I reached my potential on the court at the U. And I reached my potential off the court, right? And so I, I owe him a great deal of gratitude uh, for those accomplishments. I'm not only hearing this from you now, but I've also heard this from other people like Willie and Schick and even uh, student managers like Bridge that he was such a force in their, in their lives. And that's a great testimony that you just gave and that others have given about Coach. So. I don't pay attention to the the negative crap that people try to lay down on him. I just I just listen to those who were close to him and and have great things to say about him. And you know they they've been trying to fill his shoes for a long time. I mean, <laughs> yes. We're talking, you know, what fifteen years, right? And 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 um, you know, so far Ben Johnson's doing a great job. You know, right. and and I told him he had me in recently to speak to the team. And I said, man, this is like Coach Haskins 2.0. I mean, Coach Haskins came in and built a program for, from scratch. That's the same thing Ben Johnson is doing right now, right? And Dave Thornton is the perfect assistant coach for him. And so far, they're doing a great job. And, um, you know, and the thing about college coaching is that, man, you're taking boys, you know, who are 18 years old, mm-hmm. uh, immature, away from home for the first time, uh, cocky, uh, fearless, and that freshman is devastating because for the most part, 
just sitting on the bench, man. That that alone is a, is a, is a sucker punch, right? But you know, great coaches develop and they get their kids to buy in. And uh, you know, that's why I love the job that PJ Fleck is doing with the football team. You know, I feel like he's turning boys into men. And to me, there's nothing greater than that. That those kids are going to benefit beyond the four or five years at the U. That they'll 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 be forever grateful, like me, for those four year experiences. But it really molds you for the rest of your life. Has uh, Norris Wilson? Uh, have you come in and talked to that group, the football team? Uh, I have not. I've not been invited to the football team yet. Um, I just did something for the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Uh, the, the NBA is a client, so hopefully I'm I'm, I'm worthy and credible. But um, I'm a football fan. Uh, I love going for football and. And if I got a chance to engage the team, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Well, you also spent some time while you were on campus with another uh, great leader and motivator, and that was uh, John Anderson. How was your your talks and times with Coach Anderson? You know, Coach, Coach Anderson has built a great baseball program, and, um, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for Coach Anderson. You know, my time with him was limited, you know, because of the basketball commitment. Um, but let me tell you something, man. He had, he knew how to recruit, and for Minnesota to be way up north, man, he has done a great job uh, for the last 40 years, you know, making Minnesota baseball credible, producing Major League Baseball players, Denny Nagel, Dan Wilson, uh, uh, Brent Gates. I mean, he, he just um, – he's an icon, and, and unfortunately baseball didn't get all the same attention that – that, that uh, football and basketball gets. But let me tell you something. If you had a job for 40 years at a Division One Big Ten school, you've been doing something right for a long time. Yes, that that is 100% true, my friend. Um, so let's talk about your time in the NBA. You, were, you went undrafted, and um, from there you can kind of tell the story. Yeah, undrafted, and, um, you know, we had some really good college teams, and, um, you know, I, I, I got drafted into the CBA, uh, played for a team uh, for one year, and uh, I made the all-rookie team, and then I got a chance to try out for the Dallas Mavericks, and um, not only did I make the team, our first-round pick held out, a guy named Jimmy Jackson from mm -hmm. Ohio State, and I ended up starting my rookie year. And so that's kind of set the platform for my motivational speaking business, I went from being a college reserve to an NBA starter. And my whole mentality, JB, is that every year I want to be the most improved player. You know, that's just what I wanted. You know, we would have a banquet in college. They gave out trophies, offensive MVP, defensive MVP. The only trophy I wanted was most improved player. And I got that trophy every year. And then that really helped me become an NBA prospect. And so when I tried out for the Mavericks, I made the team. Uh, my second game in Minneapolis against the Timberwolves, I had like 27 points. And then I went from Dallas to Utah for two years, got a chance to play for legendary coach Jerry Sloan, uh, who was roommates with Coach Haskins with the Chicago Bulls, got a chance to play with Stockton and Malone, go deep into the playoffs. And so I'm very thankful, very grateful for the career that I had. Um, I didn't get drafted, but you know what? You know, it's rare that people set the table for us anyway, right? And so in life, you can't wait for someone to set the table for you. Sometimes you just got to go in the kitchen and grab a drumstick yourself, right? <laughs> and, <force> yourself <laughs> and grab a plate yourself, right? And so basically that's what I did. You know, the NBA didn't invite me, 
but I just busted into the party and grabbed the plate myself and fed myself, and to this day, the NBA still a client. Well, I ne- before we uh, continue, I neglected to talk about one of the uh, bigger highlights in your life, and that was uh, going to the Elite Eight in the uh, um, NCAA basketball tournament. How was that season? Fantastic. You know, when we, when we first got to Minneapolis, Myself and Kevin Lynch were Coach Haskins' first recruiting class. And Wisconsin recruited me hard. Michigan recruited me hard. UCLA, Arizona State. So I had options. But Coach Haskins sold me that he's building a program. And that just intrigued me. You know, that man, I'm building a program, and I want you to be a part of it. And he told me I was the key to his recruiting class. And when we got to campus, we were bad. I mean, you had Richard Coffey and Jim Shikinjansky and Willie Burton. Uh, I'm a year younger than those guys. And we were just young, clueless, and we were getting just destroyed. But Coach Haskins kept working us. We kept lifting weights. We kept just practicing. And he would say, one day we're going to be a top 20 program. One day we're going to be a top 20 program. And it was hard to buy into that because we were getting smoked, right? We were getting destroyed. It wasn't even like we were losing by a little bit. And one day – Illinois came in, number one team in the country, and we beat them in Minneapolis at Williams Arena. And that's when we all believed. And that's when we all realized, like, this man does know what he's doing. Right? There is a method to this madness. And from that moment on, JB, the program was built. And Coach Haskins told me. I was visiting him one day, him, my, my wife and I, and he goes, Walter, I'm going to win this national championship right here in Minnesota. And he was building it, right? And, 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 and to be a part of that, to see a culture built, has given me tremendous insight. Now that I go around and help companies with their culture, mm-hmm. I get it. I don't care where your culture is today. What are we beco- becoming, right? What, what, who do we want to be as a culture? You know, how are we going to win here? And so we're able to really serve our clients, um, you know, because we have experience and seeing cultures built and the process of building a strong culture. Well, let me ask you kind of a sidebar question. Uh, you played at Williams Arena, and on uh, different days there were discussion, should the, be bar- the old barn be torn down or should it be kept? What are your thoughts? You know, that's a tough one, J.B., and I'll be honest. In 1987, on my recruiting trip, Williams Arena looked old when I got there, right? <laughs> and so... You know, you're looking at this old building, and everybody's saying, like, man, this place rocks. This place rocks. Oh, man, it's nothing like go for basketball. But when you have other contexts, like seeing arenas that are better, right? You go to Michigan, you know, Crichton Arena. You know, I got, I got recruited. Every arena was better than Williams Arena, honestly. Williams Arena was the worst arena on all of my recruiting trips, empty, right? And so I had to get sold on – but it's a great place to watch a basketball game, right? So I'm torn on it, to be honest with you. You know, in, in, this, in this recruiting battle nowadays, you know, kids are looking at facility. And that's why, you know, Minnesota has a state-of-the-art practice facility now. You know, the football team's benefiting from that. Everyone's benefiting from being able to recruit to these amazing practice facilities. And so I'm torn on it. Eventually, I think you got to get it done. I think eventually you got to build a new stadium, but it would be really cool even if you built a new stadium, still have an elevated floor. That would be cool to still have some of the aspects of what made Williams Arena special. But I do 
think at some point you got to kind of just get into the arms race and compete. But I think even when we do that, why not tear down Williams Arena, play down at the Target Center? Maybe they changed the name. It was Target Center. When I left it, it happens. Maybe, it's, you know, play there for a year or two and rebuild a brand-new elevated floor of Williams Arena with all the bells, all the whistles, and all the charm that Williams Arena has. And therefore, you can be current, but you still can hold on to some of the history of Gopher basketball. No, it's still called Target Center. Um, Target kind of owns that co- corridor with uh, Target Field, Target Center, and then they have a store down, store presence downtown now too. So uh, it's still called Target Field. Uh, well, at this point, Walter, I'm just going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll finish up talking about uh, uh, the NBA career and then how you spun it off into what you do now. Perfect. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Walter Bond, friend and ex-professional basketball player, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Today's guest is Walter Walter Bond, Golden Gopher basketball great and NBA player, and now motivational speaker, and I forgot to mention also Arthur. So we'll get into that also. So you had your time in the NBA, and then you, um, you needed to move on to that next phase in your life that Coach got you ready for. So what got you into motivational speaking? You know, again, Coach Hanson's mentioned it as I was leaving the U, and then I played uh, for eight years, and if you remember, I broadcasted for the Timberwolves for two years. Yes. And part of my contract, I had to go around and speak on behalf of the Timberwolves. And so I enjoyed that more than broadcasting. Uh, broadcasting was, was okay, but I didn't enjoy it as well as I thought I would have, and I didn't see myself being a, a career broadcaster. And so getting hired by the Wolves, uh, doing a couple of events for them, reminded me of what Coach Haskins recommend, uh, recommended I do. Uh, my wife was doing pharmaceutical sales at the time in, in the Twin Cities. And I was like, hey, babe, why don't we start a uh, um, training and development company? And I want to become a motivational speaker. And she was like, you know what, you've talked about that for years. Like, okay. Tell me more. Long story short, uh, we decided to launch. I went and got a mentor named Desi Williamson. 
Daisy yes. Williamson yes. is a former Gopher football player. Um, come to find out, he's a distant cousin. Oh. His grandmother's name is Ada Bond, and I had no idea that we were related. And I called him. He took me out to breakfast, and basically, just like Mr. Miyagi, and I was karate kid. I mean, he started teaching me the basic fundamentals of the speaking business. And we launched right there in the Twin Cities. Oh, my God. We went all over the Twin Cities, all over the state of Minnesota. So I know every small town in Minnesota, Worthington, Faribault, Owatonna, uh, uh, Duluth, Bemidji, Red, Red, Red Lake. I mean, we went all over Minnesota. And we did youth events for high schools, churches. Chambers of Commerces, Rotary Clubs, and now we're international. Just booked an event this week for Australia and Canada just this week. And so it all started there in the Twin Cities. It all started with me telling my story of how I made it to the NBA. And now, man, we have trainings. We have assessments. We work with curriculum designers. We got coaches on our team. We have full-time employees. It's unbelievable then now I'm able to help other people reach their potential. And so just like my parents, I, I teach a little bit. Uh, just like Coach Haskins, I coach a little bit. And my older brother's a preacher, so I preach a little bit. <laughs> and we get a chance to really inspire, teach, and motivate professionals, um, small business owners, on how to really build culture, reach their potential, how to install core values, and really build an organization that's positioned for growth. And our big clients are like Jersey Mike Subs. Uh, we work with casinos. Um, it's just been unbelievable. And I'm only 52, and I feel like we, we just scratched the surface. So I was kind of cheating and looking through your uh, bios and notes on, online, and, um, and I saw the term peak performance. What does that term mean to you? That's a great question. You know, peak performance means that I need to become the best Walter Bond that I could become, you know. And, and I, yeah, I played against Michael Jordan. And, you know, Michael Jordan was faster than me. You know, Michael Jordan could jump higher than me, right? Michael Jordan is a little taller than me, right? He has bigger hands, right? And he just was more explosive than me. And so his job was to become the best Michael Jordan he could be. And he did it, right? right. And I, that, that's why he's the greatest of all time. But for me... I had to become the best Walter Bond that I could be. And, and that meant me having a cup of coffee in the NBA. And so I'm, I'm just as proud as Michael Jordan is, I'm sure. And, and that's what life is all about. You know, we all have to reach our own personal peak performance. What is that? You know, you might not be the next Elon Musk, right? You might not be the next Bill Gates, but you could be the next you. Which might be, hey, man, I make a, I make 500000 Or maybe, man, I got a small company, we do a million. Or maybe it's a hundred grand, whatever it is. You know, it's all about you mastering fundamentals so that you can become a peak performer based on your skills and your ability. So bottom line is, JB, we teach fundamentals. The only way you can reach your potential is by being fundamentally sound. That's why the time that Michael Jordan spent with Dean Smith at North Carolina was the most important part of his life because he was able to master the fundamentals in college so that he could become all he could become in the pros. Yes, um fundamentals are great because I you know I spent 22 years on morning radio here in town and that gave me the fundamentals to do what I'm doing now having my own podcast so I totally understand understand that so you also use the uh, 
And I think sometimes in sports it's kind of misused or overused, but you use the term culture. What is what is your meaning of the word culture? You know, culture basically is this is how we roll, right? You know, this is just how we operate. You know, this is just how we do it. And to me, a great company, they know who they are, and they do it their way. And so we hear a lot of business leaders talk about, well, this person is a bad fit, and this person is a bad fit. You don't know if someone's a bad fit unless you have a clearly defined culture. And I'm telling you, a lot of organizations don't even understand how important culture is. When I think about culture, it's simple. This is how we roll. So, for example, with Punch Haskins, our culture was, oh, you play hard. That was non-negotiable. Right. You play hard. There was no excuse not to play hard. We played defense. There was no excuse not to play defense. Not playing defense was unacceptable. Oh, we were tough. We wouldn't back down for anybody. Why? That was the culture. Okay, we, we just played hard. We played defense. We didn't back down. And finally, oh, you're going to get better. This season is your off season. Coach Haskins will sit you down and say, hey, man, I need you to get in better shape. I need you to work on your left hand. You got to improve from the free throw line. You know, whatever your little prescription was, right? right. And he sat down with each and every one of us. And it was like, oh, my expectation this next fall, when you show up, Walter, I expect you to be 10 pounds lighter. When you show up this fall, I expect you to be knocking down that 15-footer. When you show up this fall, I expect you to have an improved left hand or whatever the case was. So the prescription for Richard Coffey was different from me. But let me tell you something. The culture under him was development. You could not come back the same guy. And that was – we all knew it, right? And so collectively, imagine each player just say – got 10% better, just hypothetically. And you multiply that across 15 guys. That's how you build a program. And each each year, 15 guys got 10% better. And, and that's how you build. And so when I sit down with the CEO, I'm like, man, before I talk to your people, I want to talk to you, right, to see if this is a good fit. Because if you don't want to get better, this is not a good fit. If you just want me, you know, to, to, to be a, a, a sounding board because you're frustrated, this is not a good fit. I need all you guys to get better, including you, Mr. CEO, or Mrs. CEO, right? Because until you're accountable, you know, it's going to be hard to be a great leader. So I teach organizationally, everyone in the building's got to get 10% better. And we're able to build that relationship on the front end with the business leader. And when the business leader buys in, we have great relationships, like Jersey Mike's, Peter Cancrell. He wants to get better. And so we have a great relationship with Jersey Mike's. I'm going to be with them next week for their whole conference in Naples. Okay, we got casinos. If the leader wants to get better, you're a great fit. If the leader just thinks their people are the problem, it's not a good fit. And so we need the culture to transform, and that begins and ends with that leader. Uh, so the the everyday person, you have a book, and uh, I don't know if there's other resources you may have. How can you help the uh, everyday person? get better with those fundamentals jb you know our website walterbond.com walterbond.com it's easy to follow we master and teach four fundamentals personal development right you got to operate with success principles as an individual we teach team development the certain fundamentals your team cannot value violate okay we teach leadership fundamentals okay we've all had a bad boss before Right? Everyone's had an yes. idiot for a boss before, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, when you have a bad boss, it's painful. It's frustrating. 
You don't even want to go to work when you've got a bad boss. Get in the shower to get ready for work is stressful when you have a bad boss. So, and we also teach the fundamentals of speaking. Every once in a while, someone will hear me and say, oh, my God, I want to be a motivational speaker. I just got done teaching a session this morning, right? Mm -hmm. So we teach four fundamentals, personal development, leadership development, team development, and speaker development. Those four funnels, those four categories, we teach the fundamentals of how to master those four elements. So if anyone listening today needs some help mastering the fundamentals of being a speaker, a leader, the team needs fundamentals, or you need fundamentals as, a, as an individual, go to WalterBond.com. We have tons of resources for you. Yeah, I have a brother that started his own uh, basketball training center in St. Louis. Maybe I'll ask him to uh, get in touch with you or look up your stuff to because uh, he's always looking for new ways to motivate. He, he mostly works with young ladies to help the young ladies become uh, better, you know, pl- uh, players and people. Like I said, how many books have you written? I've written three books. Okay. My first book is All But Stink, How to Live Your Best Life and Eliminate Excuses. Uh, I wrote a book called The Off-Season for Financial Advisors. I do a lot of work in financial services. And my, my current book, which is, man, is flying off the shelf, is simply called Swim. How a shark, a sucker, fish, and a parasite teaches you leadership, mentorship, and next-level success. It's a parable, and, man, we, we've hit all kind of best-selling lists, and people are really becoming better leaders and better performers by reading our book. Well, congratulations on that, for sure. So how did you go down the road of even thinking about writing a book, and how did you pull it off? Well, I mean, you can't be a motivational speaker without a book. I mean, that's like a basketball player without gym shoes. That's like a doctor (laughs) without a stethoscope. Um, I I knew I had to write a book, and I got mentored on the book. Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for Your Soul, Um, he mentored me, and also his partner, Mark Victor Hansen. On two separate occasions, I got mentored by some of the greatest authors of all time. So I've always had great coaches, right? Starting with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They were my first coach, right? Right. Then I got Coach Haskins, a great coach. I got a chance to play for Jerry Sloan, a great coach. When I got into business, guys, I got coaching. And I got coached, but I had to be coachable. And I'm telling you, anyone who wants to reach their potential, you can only do it with a coach. But once you get a coach, you have to be coachable which means you're going to buy in and execute exactly what the coach is teaching you to do. I, just, I was just going to say, I understand that because I um, I had two pretty good coaches in my lifetime, uh, Dick Matson and Harry Broadfoot, that um, you know put the fundamentals of being an athletic equipment manager in, in my body and, you know, you know how Harry was. He'd pull you aside when, he, when, when you needed to be pulled aside, but he'd also... Uh, pump you up and cheer you on when you were trying to do you do something new or do your best. So I I for sure understand that. That's right. That's right, man. Harry, Harry was a legend over there. Man. <laughs> yeah, he's still you know he's still going on. He mostly just fishes now, but um, you know when you when when you see him, you know I get to see him two three times a year. It uh, it's good for the soul. This my podcast was started because I wanted to write a book and. Um, didn't know how, became frustrated, and it was like, well, the next best thing is just to talk about it. So so these companies that you go to, and you said you start with the CEOs, how, how are you being uh, received by not only the C- CEOs, but the uh, 
the uh, workers themselves? Yeah, well, because, you know, I'm helping them, right? And, and who who rejects help? You know, if I'm going to come help you make more money, if I'm going to help you get promoted, if I'm going to help make some of your problems go away, you know, everyone's receptive to that. And so the, the, the reception that we get from all of our clients has been amazing. And we can tell by the phone ringing, right? I right. mean, the phone rings and we answer and, and um, you know, people are like, hey, man, you know, I got referred to you by my wife. She just heard you speak. You know, I, I heard you 10 years ago and, and I saw your videos on YouTube. And, and uh, you know, at this point, we've been in, in the game for 20 years. Honestly, it's just really about answering the phone and taking orders, if you will, and just making sure that I'm continuing to develop uh, to make sure that I'm growing, right? And as I grow, my clients are able to benefit. And so my wife and I being business partners and entrepreneurs, we've grown a lot these last 20 years, and all we do is share the, our successes and share our failures and how we were able to accomplish what we've gotten done, and it really helps other people uh, make their problems go away because uh, we don't come in like we're arrogant and we're so special. I talk about my mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't let people know, hey, man, hey, here's where I was losing it, right? I used to be a little lazy, okay? <laughs> I, I, I used to struggle with focus, right? And so when you tell people about your failures, it inspires them to know that, hey, man, you know what? I, I can overcome my situation too. Right, and, and our humble approach, I think, is the key. It sounds like you have a true partnership with your wife. How does she help with uh, this program? Well, she runs the business. Um, you don't deal with me until you get to her, so to speak. Okay. But now she runs. Yes, but now she runs our coaching program. My wife is our number one coach, and um, it works out perfectly because I'm really good on stage. I'm really good in front of thousands of people, maybe a couple hundred people, but she's really good one on one. She's really good talking to a small group of managers or a small group of leaders. And so um, that's pretty much how we work together. She runs the office and she runs our coaching program. And it's my job to kill it on stage when I do the keynote. Uh, Speaking of your wife, you posted something on Facebook uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, Your wife and your mom did a segment on the Drew Barrymore show. And uh, surprise, surprise, you came out. Also, can you uh, uh, speak on how how did that even come about in the first place? And then um, how was it for all of you? You know, JV, networking and relationships, you know, I mean, I I teach people that networking and relationship building is the most powerful business skill there is. A fellow speaker called me and said, hey, you know, Walter, I'm helping the Drew Barrymore show. Uh, We're looking for a mother-daughter-in-law combination that loves to cook to come do a holiday cook-off. And I said, well, you just described my mom and my wife. She says, really? And I got them on the phone with the producer of the show, and they agreed that my mom and my wife had the greatest personality, presence, charisma. And two weeks later, um, they were getting booked to go to Drew Barrymore's show. And they said, well, why don't we have Walter come on too? You know? And I was like, huh? Why am I coming? Why don't you be the judge? Right? And I was like, oh, shoot. And I had a deal to be in Arizona, so I had to rebook my plane ticket. And uh, my mother had no clue I was coming, and they had this cook-off. You know, a lot of times people cook stuffing for Thanksgiving. I remember going to Kevin Lynch's house for stuffing one year. But black people, we cook cook dressing. It's different, right? (laughs) And so my mom and dad, uh, my mom and uh, my wife, 
they had a competition on who had the best dressing. And I'm telling you, JB, I came from backstage. I was a little nervous. How can I pick my wife over my mom? How can I pick my mom over my wife? <laughs> and I tasted the dressing, and they both killed it. And literally, I was like, man, this was a tie. This was a dead tie. This is a draw. And when we went off air, Drew Barrymore right. went at it. I mean, she tasted it on the air. But before she left the set and went backstage, she got a huge helping of my mom. She got a huge helping of my wife. And that's when I knew I made the right call on it being a draw because Drew Barrymore got a little bit of both as she left and went backstage. Well, you're a smart man because you never want to hurt mom's feelings. But you, as you stated on the show, you got to go home with your wife, so you no fool there. No fool, but honestly, it, it legitimately was a tie. It really was a tie. Well, I mean, you grew up eating your mother's, and now you eat your, eat your wife's, so... It was, it was, all I'll say, it was very smart on you. So, <laughs> so you, you, you're saying that you're about to tra hit the road again and travel. That must be a wonderful uh, thing to have happen in your life. It's been great. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm a, a, a diamond on Delta. I'm, I'm, I'm high on American Airlines. and I, I love to travel. I love to see the world. And Monday morning, I'm heading out to Portland. And when I get to Portland, I'm gonna do a program for Daimler, uh, uh, Daimler, Daimler Trucks. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get a chance to have a, a, a grab a bite with Omar Douglas, former Gopher football player. Okay. He was out in Portland. Yeah. So one of the beauties of me traveling, I get a chance to connect uh, with friends and family all over the country. And so I'm, I'm able to keep in touch with people. Um, that I might not be able to see on a regular basis just because I travel so much. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's the uh, when I did travel with my teams um, when I worked uh, athletic equipment, it would be nice that every once in a while somebody you hadn't seen in 10, 15, 20 years would pop up out the corner of your eye and it's like, whoa, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I was reading your post on Facebook and um, I, you know, they might have been a football player, and I might have been working a soccer game. And they're just like, "Yeah, I just wanted to stop by and say hello, or whatever." So, right, right. No, that that's the best part of my travel. I get to connect with old friends. Yeah, so that's great. So to kind of wrap up here, Walter, um, again, kind of tell the people um, how they can reach you, and uh, also talk about your the products that you um, represent and give to people. Well, the best resource is WalterBond.com. It's just my name, .com. WalterBond.com. And on our website, it's easy to navigate. You'll see we got a product section where you can buy books, you can buy trainings, you can get online courses. There's another tab that gives you more detail about my, my history of speaking. And there's another tab that says, hey, you know what? I like this guy. He needs to come and speak to our company. There's a way for you to set up a meeting to talk about a potential keynote for your company. If you want coaching, there's a tab for that. Bottom line, we work with individuals or organizations. doesn't really matter what size. You know, our biggest client um, is a casino, and we train 3,000 employees, you know, at a casino. We go there two days a month, and we train 3,000 employees at the casino. And, and on up to doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with Peter Cancrow, the founder of Jersey Mike Sub. So if you need coaching, if you don't think you're at your potential, just go to WalterBond.com and just snoop around 
and just figure out where's your best place to enter, and we'll be ready to serve you. Well, that uh, that just brought about another question. So you provide this service, and you uh, move on to the next. But do you offer follow-up contact where they can come back and maybe get a touch-up or whatever? Absolutely. I mean, the, the relationship I have with this casino is on its third year. Okay, we got a bank with this entering their second year. Uh, you know, it takes a while to transform. You know, don't forget, I, I, I was a gopher for four years. It took four years in, until I became an NBA prospect, right? right. It, it didn't happen overnight. So most of our clients, you know, it's a relationship. And, you know, if, you, if, if someone hears me do a keynote, it's only 60 minutes, right? And I'm going to share some key thoughts, and you're going to say, oh, my God, that's good. I like it. I need it. But unless we do some follow-up, it's going to be hard to get transformation. So now my clients are, are, are wising up to say, Walter, my people loved you for the keynote. And since you offer training, I think we should do the training to make sure that we ac- actually execute all the stuff you shared on the keynote that you love, that we love, right? And so I'm really about transformation. And so now the keynote is just the hello. It's the beginning of the process. But the true transformation comes from practice coaching, sessions. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about your strengths. Let's talk about your weaknesses. How can we make sure we maximize this opportunity? Is your mindset right? And so that good coaching over a year or two, all of our clients are setting record numbers. Our casino in Oklahoma has their highest customer service satisfaction score ever. Um, uh, Jersey Mike's is up 40% this year from last year. And so our clients are getting the results that they want. So what they pay us is, is a drop in the bucket because they're getting the result they want, and that way everybody wins. That sounds uh, wonderful. Um, for a last comment, do you have any last thoughts for uh, as we started this uh, podcast on uh, motivation or um, keeping one uh, self? Uh, we were talking about mental health, kind of keeping things uh, going going well during the holidays. Yeah, holidays can be stressful. You know, sometimes we get focused on the presents, and we get focused on the gifts, and we get focused on the family, and who's coming, and can I do it this year because of COVID, and I don't want to get my mom sick, but I haven't seen my mom. And, you know, holidays can be stressful, man. And, and what am I going to do next year? I need to lose some weight, and I don't like my job. And, you know, I, I think that mindset is everything, and most mental health is a, is a result of being stressed out, to be honest. And that's why we always talk about the mindset. And we coined the phrase shark mindset. And we got a video on YouTube called Shark Mindset. It's had 3.7 million views. And until your mind is right, it's going to be hard to perform. And so my advice for anybody listening, you know, get some help, read some books, make sure you got some good audio programs to keep your mindset strong. When our mindset is strong, now we're positioned to be the best version of ourselves because people around you need you, right? We all are codependent on each other, and I need you to be the best that you, you can be so it can impact me. And so whether it's your family, your friends, your loved ones, we all need to be the best version of ourselves because people around us need it. Again, Walter, I want to thank you, and uh, talking to you has been good to my soul because the memories are just <laughs> just flooding back on things that, uh, you know, we did on campus and hanging out and um, watching you guys play. Back then, even though I wasn't a student manager, uh, the, uh, Roger Shipper 
would allow us to sit down by him and um, kind of take in some of Clem's teachings and the whole uh, uh, culture atmosphere of being around his team. So it was just good to be able to reconnect with you and be able to uh, talk to you. Awesome. Well, JB, thank you, and anytime, man, anytime. All right. Again, this has been Walter Bond. And Walter, one more time, uh, how can people reach you? My website, WalterBond.com. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. I am Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django. JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know JB, our great Negro sex machine. I want to thank Walter Bond again for agreeing to do today's podcast. But on a sad note, I wanted to dedicate today's podcast to Dr. Claire Heinen, who lost her battle with cancer. Her and her husband, Jerry, have been motivators for me in my time here in Minnesota. And also, especially with this podcast, giving me um, kudos constantly about the show. Along with my family, they've been the biggest motivators for this show. Claire, you'll be missed, and cancer sucks.